But today I wanted to talk about instincts. If we're on a hunt, then there's got to be an instinct, right? How many of you know that we are all born with an instinct? How many of you guys know that? We have, like, just like animals, we have an instinct. But the difference between humans and animals is we have the ability to reason, right? We don't function from instinct alone. We have instinct, we have desires, we have all these things built inside of us. But we don't function on instinct alone. We function because we have the ability to reason, right? Yeah. Come on, how many of you have ever instinctively had the instinct to do something wrong? Yeah. Right? All right. I'm, maybe I'm the only one. So instincts, listen, this is the, the, the definition of the word instinct, is a way of behaving, thinking, or feeling that is not learned. A natural desire or tendency that makes you want to act in a particular way. All of us have instincts, right? We have instincts. Uh, some of us are, we were talking about this the other night. Some of us are more introverted. Some of you are more introverted. Uh, you kind of keep your feelings to yourself. This is your instinct, right? Uh, some of us are more extroverted. We want everybody to know how we're feeling all the time. Or even if we don't want everybody to know how we're feeling, it's obvious the way we're feeling, right? Because we're extroverts. And it's just we kind of wear our emotions on our sleeves. So everybody knows this is just instinctively how we are. We're kind of... Whenever we say, this is the way I was born, what we're talking about is, or this is the way I am, we're saying, this is my instinct. This is my natural behavior. I didn't have to learn to be this way. I was born acting this way, right? Yeah. And how many of y'all have some instincts that you wish weren't natural instincts? Come on, yeah. Come on, are you with me? Like, we have natural desires, and we're just like, oh, I want to do that. I know I shouldn't do it. Just, my nature is to sleep until noon every day, okay. right? And so some of us need a little bit more motivation, and we have to deal with these natural instincts, and it's a battle that we struggle with with our life. But I want to talk today about hacking your instincts, about how to transform your instincts. Uh, we have, when we're born, all we have is natural instincts. But when we became born again, we attained supernatural instincts. So there's, there's the instincts that you're born with, and then there's the instincts that you're born again for. Are you with me? And so we have supernatural instincts and natural instincts. Jesus said, you know, that when we're born again, in John chapter 3, he talks about that. You can't come into the kingdom unless you're born again. And if you're born again, your instincts will change because now you have a second nature. How many know before Jesus, you only had one kind of nature? A sinful nature. Come on. But Jesus gave you a second nature, a living spirit within you that you could have other desires. But how many of you know that you live in a world and you still have that old nature attached to you? Yeah. Come on. That is your sinful nature. And so we're going to talk about your sinful nature, your sinful instincts, your sinful desires. Listen, there is something very powerful about having godly instincts. Jesus says this. Check this out. Mark chapter eleven twenty four. We love this scripture. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Well, that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's like bumper sticker worthy, right? You know what I'm saying? That's like poster with a tree on it worthy scripture. Man, whatever you ask for, you ask God and he'll give it to you. How many of you guys have ever asked for something and God didn't give it to you? And you look at that scripture and you go, well, that must be false. What did Jesus talk about? He, that word that word right there where it says whatever you ask for, in some translations, it says whatever you desire. Whatever you desire. Whatever you instinctively want. Iteo is the Greek word. And that means to ask, to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, to require. 
Jesus said, whatever you crave, whatever you instinctively want, when you ask for in prayer, I will give it to you. Now, what is he, is he talking about? Is he talking about just any desire we have? No, he's talking about supernatural desire that he gives us. The problem is, is it talks about in the book of James chapter 4, he talks about the reason why some prayers aren't answered. Look, check this out. James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you do not ask God. Okay? Then he says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Well, what are wrong motives? Wrong desires. Wrong passions. Wrong drive behind that thing. So we're going, why are my prayers getting answered? Why, why, why am I getting a civic, right, whenever I've been praying for a Mercedes? Because maybe your desire is wrong. Or why am I not getting this job, right? Or why am I not getting this situation worked out in my life? Because most of the time our motives are wrong. Usually they're selfish, they're rooted in natural instincts, not motivated by spiritual instincts. The thing is, is what happens is when we become connected with God, when we become in partnership with God, He starts laying on our hearts the things that we're supposed to pray for. The beauty about the presence of Jesus, the beauty, the beauty about prayer, is that God will tell us what to ask Him for. They're called supernatural desires. Are you with me? But what has to happen is we've got to get those desires. Well, they don't come naturally, so we've got to nurture our spiritual nature to get these desires. Isn't it crazy? So the beginning is prayer and the presence of Jesus and encountering God. The end is the presence of Jesus and encountering God. When someone asks me, they say, Josh, what do you desire? If you were asking, Josh, what do you desire more than anything else? I desire desire. I desire more of God. And I desire to desire more of God. I desire desire. I'm not, content, I'm, not, I'm not just desiring what I have or, or what's tangible. I want more craving in me for the supernatural. That whenever I pray, it happens because I'm praying heaven's prayer. This is the power of supernatural instinct. But part of the reason that we don't desire more spiritually is that we spoil our craving for spiritual things with natural desires. It's kind of like we, we talked about this several weeks ago. It's kind of like you go to the restaurant and you order the meal, right? Lobster and steak. And you eat like 15 baskets of bread, right? And so what happens when the lobster and steak comes out? The good stuff. You're full of bread. You take it home. And then you warm it up in the microwave and it's not as good as it would have been. Come on. So quick, what we've got to do is we've got to starve ourselves of the bread so we can still maintain that hunger because many times holy desires can be quenched when our unholy desires are fulfilled. So what happens is we desire these spiritual things, but we're not willing to pay the price in prayer. And we're not willing to pay the price in his presence. So what ends up happening is we fill that with carnality. We, we feed that with entertainment. And so what we do is we say, well, I don't really have a, an hour to give God every day. But you have an hour to watch TV or spend with your family or go to work. But you don't have an hour with God. How many know that your hour at work and your hour with family will be better if you sacrifice an hour of sleep to be with Jesus? It will enrich your life. So you don't look at, we don't look at it as sacrifice. We look at it as, as kind of paying forward, if you will. Investment. We're investing our time in God's presence. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. And I believe many times we quench the Spirit. I'll give this illustration. One night, years ago, uh, we were pastoring El Paso. We had this phenomenal service at our, our, our youth service band. It was banging. And I was like, man, I was just so like, I was so satisfied, but not satisfied at the same time. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was satisfied, but I wanted more. And I went home, and I laid in bed, and I reached over, and I turned off my lamp. And when I turned off my lamp, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what about me? And I was like, Lord, we just had a service. I just invested like two hours, two and a half hours in your presence. I was preaching. I was leading worship. We were having altar time, and people were just come going after God. I was like, I was doing that right now. He's like, but what about me? What about our intimate one-on-one time? How many of you know that I could have just left the light off and went to sleep and I would have quenched the Holy Spirit? Because I was saying, I desire sleep more. You need sleep. It's a natural desire, but you need the presence more. You need the presence more. How many of you know that your priorities can be revealed with what you decide to do? I, I hear this, I just don't have time, I'm too busy. That's, that's not an excuse. What do you choose to invest your time in? What do you choose to invest your time in? The presence of God or everything else you got going on in your life? Those things are important. They might, be, they might be number two in your life. And you need to invest time in those. You've got to work. Come on, you've got to spend time with your family. Those are absolutely necessary things. But you, which, what you need more in order to be a productive husband, to be a productive wife, to be a productive worker, what you need is to carry the presence of God because you seek the kingdom first. Now check out what James says. Chapter 1, verse 12, talks about desire. And we're talking, we're going to switch mode a little bit and talk about those natural desires, right? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know that thing that you're, the lust or the, or the, one, the anger, whatever the issue is that you're naturally drawn to. God has really dealt with me while I've been preparing this message this week. Josh, you need to be led by the Spirit and not function the way that you feel all the time. Come on, are you with me? but function the way the Holy Spirit feels. All right, James chapter 1, verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. What are testing and temptation? They're desires, right? If you didn't, how many of you know that if, that if you didn't ever desire to steal, because some people have that natural tendency, they just want to steal. If you never had that desire, it wouldn't be a temptation for you to steal. Right? right? This is, we just have different desires for different things. But those who patiently endure testing and temptation... Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love God. And remember, when you're being tempted, never say, God is tempting me. Never say that. God is tempting. God is, God is testing me out to see if I'm... No, no, no. God, God isn't doing that. The enemy does fine at that. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes, right here, temptation comes from our own desires. Our own instincts, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Scary. So listen, we have temptations. How many of you are not defined by your temptations? Just because you're tempted doesn't make you sinful. Hear me. Just because you're tempted to draw, that's because you're a, a human. Right? Because you breathe. The reason why you face temptation, 
The reason why I face temptation to do stupid things every week that many times I give into, the reason why is because we're people. We breathe. The problem is, is when we give into our temptations. But where do temptations come from? They come from instincts. They, become, they come because you're born. Not because you're born again, but because you're born. Tendencies aren't sin. If I was a, a thief, if I had a thieving spirit in me, it, it is not sin for me to desire to want things possibly until it becomes covetousness where I'm thinking about it continually. Right? Same thing as, as anger. Okay? It's not, it's, not, it's not sinful to be angry. It's sinful to hate. So there's these levels where we start giving in and we start occupying these desires. Are you with me? But the child of God doesn't occupy those desires. We rebuke those desires. And we, don't, we don't go around and we don't live life saying, this is the way I am. No, we might say, that's the way I was. Naturally, I'm an adulterer. Naturally, I'm lust-filled. Supernaturally, I'm pure. So I'm pursuing the thing, my purity. I'm not making excuses for my instincts. Instead, I'm building new instincts. So let's talk about leading or hacking, because we do have, as a supernatural, listen, you are spirit, and then you have flesh. You are primarily a spirit. What's going to live forever? You are a spirit. You have a body. Are you with me? It takes precedent. It takes priority. See, your spirit should control your carnality, not your carnality, your spirit. But most of the time, for most of us, we allow our carnality to kind of steer our spirituality. So how do we lead our instincts? How do we develop new instincts? How do we nurture our instincts? Number one is we relinquish rights. How many other dead people don't have rights? If uh, if I died tomorrow, which isn't going to happen, and you guys had a funeral in here, and I was laying up here dead in a casket, how many know that I, I would not get to decide how loud the music was? I wouldn't get to decide on the light setting. I don't get to make any of those decisions because I'm dead. Dead people don't have rights. But what we do many times, even as believers, is we sit around and we justify the desires that we have because we were born that way. What are we saying? I'm entitled to this. How many know that maybe you were born that way, and that may be your temperament, and that may be your personality. It's not who God called you to be. And so what you've got to do is you've got to relinquish rights to those tendencies that you have. you got to say, no, you don't belong here anymore. And I love what Bob Jones says, I'm not your property anymore. Yeah. I belong to Jesus. The only desires that I have rights to are holy desires. So we, we sit around and we go, well, what is wrong? What is sinful? And we have the debates. And all this kind of stuff. The problem is, is we're sitting going, what can I have rights to? Right. You can only have rights to everything God gives you. You can only have rights to things that will keep your heart pure. Those are the only things we have rights to. You are not the victim. 
Don't give me this crap about, oh, you know, I would, this happened to me. I was born this way. I was raised in this kind of home. Listen, I'm sorry about that. And I want to be sensitive about those kind of things. But your past does not dictate your future. You came to Jesus. And when we came to Jesus, it was a level playing field. He is the man. Jesus died to transform you. So don't give me excuses. Because when we come to Jesus, we're all right with God. Period. They don't bring up your baggage and your issues and your excuses because they're no excuse. If Jesus didn't come to transform you, then he died in vain. Wow, he didn't come to, oh, God just loves us. God just accepts us. We just kind of love. We, we got this kind of message, which is true. God loves us. He embraces us. But how many know that Jesus came to rescue you from the person that you are? Yeah. Good. So get over the excuses of the way I am. This happened. These people, this is the reason. I'm around this environment. I'm married to this person. Bull. Die. Relinquish rights. I don't have rights to feel that way. I don't have rights to be negative. I don't have rights to gossip. It's sinful. That's my carnal nature. I may have a tendency to do that. No! You don't belong here. I'm an encourager. I speak life. I speak the truth of God. I speak boldly. I speak the presence of Jesus. I bring life to people. I don't criticize people. Because I don't like the way they do things because that's my temperament. And they're not like me. So I say, well, look at you. You are, you know, ugly or you do things wrong or I don't like the way you. So we get all critical. Oh, look at this person. Oh, yeah. What are, you, what are you doing to build that person up? That is your carnality. You need to relinquish rights to that. Even if the person's wrong. Because what we do is we sit around and we, we criticize people that don't have a spirit nature. Listen, just like you before you came to Jesus, all you were was born. You weren't born again. So all you have is natural desire. You don't have supernatural desire until you come to Jesus. So what we do is the church, and part of the reason why the church has a bad name, is we sit around and we accuse the world because they don't have a spiritual desire. Because they don't have a supernatural nature because they're not born again. So, oh, the world's just falling to pieces. Of course it is. So why don't you do what's necessary to raise the world up? This is our ambition. This is our mission. This is what we're going after, to have Jesus glorified. And stop criticizing everybody else because they don't, they're not where you're at. And by the criticism, you show that you're no better than them. You're not defined by your desires. How many know that you're not defined by that? Even if you're critical, you're not, you're not a critical person. That's the old man. I'm naturally critical. Very critical. Naturally, very critical. I have to lay that down. Daily, I have to lay it down. I have to relieve stress. I don't have the right to be critical. Well, they hurt me. Or they were ugly to me. Or they were not nice to me. So I'm going to be... They, that's what Jesus said, right? Treat people the way they treat you. I'm not going to be nice to nobody if they don't treat me nice. Well, you're no better than the devil then. We need to be like Jesus. As believers, we don't embrace our sinful nature. We recognize it's there. We go, okay, yeah, that... And we know, hey, that's my sinful nature, right? When you get critical, you know, hey, that's my sinful nature, right? The difference is this. Listen, carnal-minded people are hunting for ways to justify their desires. This is carnally-minded, right? I justify my desires. I'm born this way because people treated me this way, because Josh preached like that, because worship didn't sound good, whatever. Whatever. These are all these things. I have... I justify my desires. I want to be critical because I don't like that. Right? 
justification. So carnal-minded people are hunting for ways to justify their desires. Spiritually-minded people are justified in Jesus and are, and are learning to develop new desires. So what we're saying is we're going, okay, I'm not, I'm not justifying that. I'm not saying, well, I was born this way. I'm just born a critical person. I'll just be a critical person. I was born an adulterer. I'll just act like an adulterer. Right? I was born a gossiper. My parents were gossipers. My, my family was negative. So I'm a gossiper. No, you're not. You're a child of God. Come before God. Don't make excuses. Relinquish right and say, I do not, I am not that way anymore. Yeah. Even if that's the way that you're living right now. I do not live that way anymore. Right. If you tell yourself that, you do not live that way. Josh Brown, you are not critical. Josh Brown, you do not have a short temper. Josh Brown, the peace of God transcends your heart and mind. Josh Brown, you speak to yourself. You don't have rights to act that way. The only right you have is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus on the cross, dead. That's the right you have. And allow him to resurrect you. And to live in the life that he's provided. Colossians chapter 3. And I know that we're getting into like personalities and stuff like that. But how many know that your personality is your carnality? Okay? Now God will use some of those things. But they're never excuses for giving into fleshly desires. To do things that are wrong. They're never excuses. We've got to relinquish rights. It's not okay. You know, there's just movements in the church that it's, just, oh, you know, it's okay, it's okay, God loves you. God does love you. But it's not okay. It's not okay to indulge in sinful activities. It's not okay to just do whatever we feel like doing. Because really, by doing that, all we're doing is contributing to our sinful nature even more. Okay? Listen, Colossians chapter 3. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, remember, when you were born again? And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Oh, come on. So put to death, here we go, so put to death, relinquish rights, the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Where is it? Have nothing, so put to death the earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, or evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Oh, I thought God already got rid of all of his anger. No, it says because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do the things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, come on, manipulation, slander, and dirty language. Don't, <laughs> Josh, quit talking like that when you <laughs> Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked desires. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. How many know you're not going to be compared, when we stand before Jesus, we're not going to be compared to anybody else. We're not going to be compared to our spouse. We're not going to be compared to the wicked pastor. We're not going to be compared uh, to the sinner on the street. We're going to be compared to Jesus. He's the standard. 
In this life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or un uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. It doesn't matter how you were born. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and peace. Patience. Make allowance. Oh, here we go. Yeah. This is where it's difficult. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. But they, anyone who offends you. Well, you just don't understand anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you? Remember? Remember the Lord forgave you? You must also forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. You say, Josh, what does that have to do with spiritual hunger? Everything. Because what happens is whenever we continue to indulge in the carnal, then we no longer crave what is spiritual. We start hunting out for us and stop hunting after Jesus. So how do I put to death my carnal desires? Listen, your inner nature focuses just like your works, functions just like your physical body. Okay? To, to live, to breathe, uh, you got to have two things happening. You got to have fuel in your body, and you got to function. If you lay in bed all day, even if you eat steak and lay in bed all day, eventually your bones will deteriorate. I mean, not your bones, but your muscles will deteriorate, right? You've got to function. You've also got to have that food in your body, or you'll die. So, the same way your flesh is, the same way your physical body is, is the same way you put that to death, is the same way you put your carnal nature to death. You starve it. Um, yesterday, Friday, I went riding my mountain bike. And I haven't done it in months. I figure since I preached a little bit about it on Sunday, I should get out and do it. And uh, so I went and I rode for three and a half hours. I didn't plan on riding that long. It just took that long because I been I hadn't been I wasn't functioning the way I needed to function. Well, all I had for breakfast was this little uh, Jimmy Dean breakfast thing that I eat every day. It's like you know 260 calories, so I eat it because it's low calorie and it's good, it's tasty, and so I eat that. Well, so I eat this normally if I was gonna ride, I'd eat like a big old bowl of oatmeal, right? Get a lot of protein in me, and you know get some good carbs in me, and go out there and ride, ride all day, right? So I eat this little Jimmy Dean thing, and I get out there, we start riding. I thought I was going to be out there like an hour and a half. Well, I end up riding, being in the saddle for three and a half hours. And so every, every like five minutes, I'm stopping and resting for 20. Not riding for 20 and resting for Why? Because I was calorie deficient. I looked at my app, and I said, hey, Josh, you burned like 1,400 calories. I'm like, well, I don't have any calories left from yesterday. I already burned all these. So why wasn't I? I was getting on my bike. I had the willpower. So I couldn't do this. I could, I could say that all day long and talk myself into it. When I get on the saddle and start riding, there was nothing there. My arms are hurting. I didn't have any energy. Why? I was calorie deficient. It's the same way with your spirit. Are you with me? Did you know with the carnal man, the carnal desire in you, if you will make it deficient by stop feeding it, it will stop functioning. And so what would happen is I'd get on that bike and I couldn't function very long. But how many know that I had to get on the bike in order to stay, to get to where I needed to go? Well, the same way our, our body, we put to death our body, if you lay in bed every day, if you didn't need everything, anything any day, that you would eventually deteriorate, right? So what we've got to do with our carnal desires is, first of all, we must starve them. 
You must stop giving in to them. You must stop doing things that feed your natural desire. I mean, yeah, your natural carnal desires. You've got to stop allowing those things, negativity. Come on, are you with me? Criticism. You've got to stop doing things because the thing that you eat is the thing that you become. See, the fuel. We starve them, we don't give them fuel. And number two, we don't allow them to function. So we say no. Romans 13, 14. Instead, call yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And do not think, do not let yourself think about ways to indulge in your sinful nature. One translation says, make no provision for the flesh. And so what we do is we sit there and we justify, I want to do this for entertainment, I want to do this for entertainment, I want to do this for entertainment, and we wonder why our attitude is so wrong. Because you're just indulging, you're making provision for the flesh. Listen, if you have a weakness with lust, don't watch, I want to say Baywatch, that's not a show anymore. But if you deal with lust, don't watch something that's going to entice lust in you. Number one, relinquish rights. Everybody get that? Number two, renewing your mind. Okay, it's going to get a little better for you. You ready? Romans 8, 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So in order to be spiritually minded and to function spiritually, to allow our spiritual nature to, to rule our instincts, we must have the renewing of our mind. We must be people that have a renewed mind. I love what Bill Johnson says is that, that the renewed mind is sustained repentance. What does repentance mean? To change the way that you think. So we've got to stop thinking about the ways that we used we, we, we got to stop thinking the way we used to think. Right. And stop thinking about the things that we used to think about. You know, when Jesus died on, on Golgotha, I think that it wasn't just happenstance that Jesus died on the place of the skull. Because the battle always starts in the mind. It always starts in the mind. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to continually renew our mind. This is how we're transformed. When we're transformed, our desires transform. That word transform there.
there, if you study it out in the Greek, it's not like, it, it, it's not just like one day I'm uh, red and the next day I'm green. It's, it's actually the, the, the same word, the metamorphosis uh, process that happens when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It's like, so it's like, it's not just like, kind of looks the same. It's like totally different, right? right. It was ugly, now it's beautiful. Leslie and I, uh, one time, we bought this little trap thing. I don't know what it was. It was a little butterfly maker, something like that. And we got the caterpillar, and we put it in there. And we watched this process of the caterpillar become a butterfly. It was the craziest thing. Like, he had this web, which I didn't know caterpillars had webs. And he wraps himself in this crazy web and makes this cocoon. And when he's in the cocoon, the cocoon is shaking violently. I mean, it's little, but if I would have been that big, it would have scared me. And it was just like, go, 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 go. It was like shaking. Remember? It was like violent. And then eventually it became a beautiful butterfly. Listen, there is a process with the transformed mind. It's not easy. It doesn't come the next day. It's a lifestyle of saying, I will be committed to transforming my mind. I will start thinking differently. And listen, your life will be transformed by renewing your mind. So how do we renew our mind? Number one, by daily washing of the word. You live in an age that's so easy for you to download a Bible app and get on a devotional plan to show you what to read. There is no excuse for you not to read the Bible every day. Well, I don't understand it. Well, get out of the book of Revelation because you're fascinated about it for a little while. Come back to it later and just get and read about Jesus. Listen, if you just spent the rest of your life in the book of Matthew, you would be good. Or Romans, or Galatians, or Ephesians. But if you would just read something, and don't just someone. I told someone one time I was being sarcastic, which, and I said, uh, he said, uh, you know, something about reading the word. I said, I don't read the word. I let the word read me. You know, and so that's what you got to do. You got to develop a relationship with the word of God. You got to allow the word to wash you daily. Come on, are you, how many of you know that we have so much non-word coming into us? Philippians 4 says, you know, think about things that are noble and pure. And he says, then God's peace will rule over you. And we're so full of things that are impure and so, so many things that are ignoble and all these things that are coming at us that are negative and just the world we live in. And, and you know, Facebook's so full of negativity and our TVs are so full of negativity and everything that we read is just negative. We've got all this stuff. Listen, the, the only thing that you got in your life that is going to be Completely pure is the word of God. So you've got to allow that to just wash over your brain every day so you can get some of this junk out. This is called renewing your mind. Daily washing of the word. And number two, not dwelling on evil behaviors or evil desires. Because this is what we do. This is the, the, the trap the enemy does. Is we start thinking about our weakness. Which we talked about last week. It's actually your strength. We start, we start thinking about, oh man, I need to quit doing that. I need to quit doing that. I need to quit doing that. So the enemy gets us in this trap of, man, I need to quit being critical. I need to quit being critical. And so what happens? We're just critical. We're more critical. It's all we're thinking about being critical. Right? I need to quit being angry. I need to quit being angry. What, what happens? I need to quit being frustrated. I need to quit being... What happens? We're just frustrated. We're just angry. Because that's all you're thinking about. You need to quit thinking about and dwelling about the evil desires. You need to start dwelling, number three, on the goodness and love of God. Evil desires come in, criticism comes in. Oh, it's so, man, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love this person who's getting on my nerves right now. Start, start looking at people through Jesus' eyes. Like, I get, you know, sometimes we have people come in here during the week. I'm just like, oh, man. I hear a little chime, I probably walk out. 
from walking around the office and like, hey, can I help you? Please leave. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And God just started getting a hold of me, like, I'm sending these people in your door. You said that you would love everyone I'd sent you. I was like, okay. Okay. Gotta check my attitude. Come on. And so I'm gonna start thinking about the love of God. It's gonna start thinking about the goodness of God. God, you're so good to me. God, I know that that's the way I used to be. I know that the, I know that, that that life was tough, and I know that I'm naturally negative. But God, I thank you, Lord, that you're so good. And Lord, even though I was negative, and even though I was stupid, you still love me. You still died for me. You still rescued me. You're still after my heart, Lord. You're still wounding me. You're still drawing me close. You still long to spend time with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Man, that'll start making all that wickedness just go away. It's just the renewing of your mind. You gotta start thinking different. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. God sees you through Jesus. And then lastly on that is speak speaking by speaking what God says about you. Stop thinking, stop speaking about your sinful nature. That's just the way I am. No, no, no. It's not the way you are anymore. Right. You're dead. Your life is hidden in Christ. It's not, no, no, no. That's just a... Hey. That's just a hook. And we just shut it up. When you start to say it, that's just a whip. Just shut it up. Just say, I am patient. When your kids start getting on your nerves, oh, Lord Jesus. When they're like irritating you to the core, come on. You need to quit being that way. Hey, Josh, what are you acting so good? I am the peace of God which transcends all understanding of my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Start speaking what God says in you. Start speaking your new nature. So renew your mind. Number one, relinquish rights. Number two, renew your mind. Number three, nurture your new nature. Everybody say, nurture your new nature. Nurture your new nature. Okay, I'll say it 15 times. Okay, listen, nurture your new, listen, the, nur- the, the nature you nurture will be the nature that drives your desires. Will be the nature that drives your instincts. So what we find, as in life in the spirit, as we're pursuing Jesus, what we find is that our spiritual desires start overcoming our natural ones. And instead of being mean spirited and ugly, we're nice. Yeah. And we, we go, whoa, I'm really proud of myself. And we fall into pride. Just kidding. <laughs> right? How do you do this? How do you nurture your new nature? Now, we're going to do a series after we get done with this series and uh, in several weeks, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. But the way that you nurture your new nature is by developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a he. And he is in you. It's not this thing that comes in and goes out. That's Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit will come upon people. The Spirit will come upon you. The Spirit is up in you. So what you've got to do is you've got to learn to have a relationship with that Spirit that was born inside of you when you were born again. Listen to me. Galatians chapter 5. This is how you put to death those desires. By developing, It all boils down really to this. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your instincts. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what your spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. How many of you ever feel like you're in the heat of that battle? Yeah. Even Paul said he was doing that. 
Romans chapter 7, he's like, I want to do this, but I keep doing this. It's so stupid. Right? What's that frustrating point? Be more than being frustrated. Like there's this battle going on in me, right? This is what he says. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, your good instincts. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Why? Because it's fulfilled in your life in the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Right? That's a hot button issue right now. I was born this way. Well, Jesus came to change that. We were all born sexually immoral. How many know that we were all sinners? All of us were sinners. We were all wicked, going to hell, disapproved before God. All of us. But Jesus said, I came to change your nature. So, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, fighting, jealousy, outbursts of anger, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, division. It's interesting that division and dissension is in the same context of sexual morality. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, drunkenness, I'm jumping around here, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. No, 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 no. But the Holy Spirit, those that are born in spirit and have the Holy Spirit, produce this kind of fruit. These are the works of the flesh. These are the fruit of the Spirit. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? By working? No. By renewing your mind? By developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And these are the things that come out of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Just live like this. Let the Spirit rule your life. Just live like this. And all the standard is met. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. And crucified them there. Amen. So we really don't have a, a morality issue. We have a deficient Holy Spirit issue. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life.